Welcome to the sixth episode of the Cranky Flyer interview. I know you've been waiting for this one because it's the second part of the interview first aired last week with United CEO Oscar Munoz. This week's sponsor, Vega, the brightest star in the constellation Lyra. Vega wants United to remember that Polaris is not the only cool star up there. If you'd like to be a real sponsor, email me at cf at crankyflyer.com. This week I talked to Oscar about how he built out his new team. We start with Andrew Levy, the new CFO with the low-cost carrier background. We also touch on basic economy and, yes, the operation as well. The podcast begins now. We talk about Andrew for a second because you made the comment about the LC or ULCC background there. Did you have reservations about that, or was that something that you really sought out um, to, to bring in? Yeah. Um, there's a lot of people that had a lot of reservations, you know. It's like yeah, but did you? No. Well, obviously not. I mean, <laughs> well, what, no, I mean, you could have had reservations. That I'll you tell you what, what. What Andrew and I talked about most importantly about fit. Um, right. So you know, when you're have an entrepreneurial flair, and you had the allegiant at the size that it was, and your hands in every sort of thing, uh, how do you scale your leadership capabilities to something that's exponentially larger? And so the conversation was about his willingness and desire to do that uh, and to be part of an overall team, not the guy that does everything. Because um, what I've learned, and I think a lot of people learn, and when you look at history of these airlines and where you've had success, there's always been partnerships. Um, so having a strong number two and three and four, or not, even name, not even numbering them, but having a strong team, I think is paramount. And so our conversations were around that. It had nothing to do with... You know, I, you know, worrying about uh, you know, it was really about him personally. You know, what do you want to achieve, and this, is this is this a place that you can achieve that right. that, that general level of, of career satisfaction and energy? Did you have concern about how the people of United would take that? That you bring someone in at a high level that has a ULCC background. I mean, you have some people that have bad memories of Ted and Shuttle and Cal Light and whatever it might yeah, be. No, no. And then other people who say, well, maybe they're just going to make the whole airline into Allegiant or something like that. You know, um, it, there was all those questions, right? And then when we hired Scott, it was the same thing. And when you hired Julia, it was what well, she's not experienced enough. And when I was hired, right, not enough industry background. It's like, uh, I think we have a team that's just over their career and lives have just faced a lot of that adversity. And uh, proving people wrong <laughs> is something we all carry with us. And so uh, we heard a little bit of here and there uh, uh, with regards to, to and Andrew uh, in particular, uh, but it wasn't anything meaningful. Because by this time, again, back to re-earning the trust of folks, I've been talking to the guy, write internal letters all the time. Hey, we're going to make some changes. And, and everybody that's been let go has been let go. With You haven't seen a lot of fanfare about it. They've been, you know, they, you know, we've retired people in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a dignified way because that's what they deserve, and we brought in new people with a lot of fanfare. But, but yeah, people always are, are worried. But when you build some camaraderie and some connection, it's like they don't they don't have that negative conversation. It's like, well, you know what? If Oscar says that's what we want to do, and I'd explain it. I'd be at town hall. Like, hey, listen, I, the, the pilots in particular. It's like, here, let me tell you why I hired these folks specifically. Um, one of our biggest threats, for instance, to the industry is the advent of ULCCs and where they're flying, how they're flying, how they think about their world. Well, what better person to bring inside than someone that thinks just like that, right? It's a, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's an obvious point when you think about it. And so, yeah, that was, a, that was an, a great attribute that I wasn't necessarily looking for, but when it presented itself in the package of who Andrew is and his intelligence beyond, uh, beyond just uh, that, 
um, I think that was helpful. So when you wait and look for the right people uh, and you ask around, and I'm telling you, I have interviewed or spoken with many, many, many senior leaders, executive leaders in the, in the airline industry around the world. <laughs> okay. sure. And so we went through and trying to find the right fit because they, above all else, we have to fit with them with each other. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Scott and I had that conversation. Julie and I had I mean, everybody. It's like, and everybody on the executive team has interviewed everyone else. So it, it's you know, it's we're not having a lot of surprises when you bring someone in. I don't come in one morning and say, hey, I hired Mary today. She's going to be doing this. Uh, we do everything kind of in unison. You know, clearly between Scott and I, we have a little more of the vote as you might expect in certain areas. But uh, all our new officers are brought in before the executive team um, to, to make sure that everybody's agreeable. And if someone hasn't met someone then we make it a point to have that conversation and interview. Um, and it's a way you build meritocracy because then no one can accuse you as a company of, well, you hired Bill just because he's your friend or something. It's like, no, you know, if you're going to accuse us of, uh, of, um, of cronyism, right, you're going to have to accuse the whole team because, you know, you know, eight or nine people made that decision, not just one. Right. And uh, people say, well, Oscar, that, doesn't, that seems overly democratic. Shouldn't you have more of a vote? It's like, I would if I needed, but usually it works out very nicely. You don't need to insert yourself if, no, if it's no. working well. I mean, these are senior executives with very thoughtful capabilities, and their success is based upon who they hire. And in a world of meritocracy and our internal value system and performance management, I mean, it's like, listen, you know, if, if, you, if you think you can make that person work, um, go make it work. Yeah. And if it doesn't, you're going to have to own up to why it didn't. And so that's what you know, true meritocracy is. So nobody, nobody on that team, on my team, would be accused of hiring someone just because they like them. I, oh, it's my buddy or something. It just doesn't, doesn't work that way in corporate America. But people believe that. To your point of how, the, how does a broader team think about somebody coming from a legion or somebody coming from this, there was a lot of, you know, there was a little consternation, but nothing significant. Yeah. I mean, I, I you know, I, I think the team is fantastic from what I can see from the outside. And from the inside, I mean, I grew up in this industry under Scott, right. actually, at America West. So, um, but I'm, you know, thinking from a labor perspective that this is, you know, it was at least at 1.99% of your focus. So um, assume that these are the conversations you have to have with yourself and others and say, well, how will everyone view this when we bring them in? Even if you know it's the right decision, that's the hard decision to make sometimes. No, uh, no. You have to push it. Right? <laughs> there, was a, there was sort of concern that we were bringing too much horsepower in to the yeah. sort of uh, the senior ranks. And I just smiled. It's like, okay, well, that's a hell of a long way from you don't got anybody to do anything to, oh my God, you got too much. Right. And uh, for me, harnessing that energy and that horsepower, that's my job. And I infinitely want to do that more than trying to create energy where there's none. And so, um, no, it's a, it's a great group, and, and uh, you know, we're, we're not focused. We have a very specific set of objectives and initiatives. Everybody's focused, and we know we've got to you know, go get at that. We put some high aspirational goals. They're not even aspirational. I mean, there are goals. We, we are going to become the best across all those dimensions, uh, including the margin gap, the relative margin gap that everyone can you do it? You'll never be able to do it. Um, I, I, it's, for an, an entire year, I said, I am never See, I'm not ceding ground. I'm not I'm never going to say yes. I don't have the facts yet. I need to understand our potential and then unlock it. And then when you see what that value is, it's like vis-a-vis -vis others. Then we'll know. But I'm not about to say, oh yeah, we'll never, you know, we'll never be there. And then I bring experts like Andrew and Scott, and they go through the details and I say, well, what are we thinking? It's like we can do this. It, from you know seeing the investor day presentation and everything, 
it's really encouraging to see a focus on revenue. That there's there's more you can do with revenue, right? And for many years, all you hear about is costs, and you know, in, in many airlines. Um, but you know, some of these things are in place. I assume some were in place before Scott got there, um, and he's kind of taken them and, and turbocharged them. But what what are you looking at now? I mean, obviously, you know, you can talk about Polaris is just rolling out and, and all that, but that's you've already set that strategy going forward. So, you know, how are you spending your time right now? What are you looking for with that? Well, thankfully, oh my God, and I, every time I see Scott and Julia, I mean, I just say thank you. Because <laughs> as you can imagine, it's a big job and there's so many things to learn and people with experience and knowledge and intellectual capacity to handle the complex nature. You were in revenue management, I think. So you don't, it's not an easy task. You, can, you don't just drop somebody in and say, yeah, you know, go do this. Uh, and so the fact that you have experts in that space gives you just great trust that, you know, what my role is to think about what is it that we're trying to achieve? How are we going to achieve it? How do we make sure that the customer is um, we continue to build trust with them as well as the employee, right? I'm the filter person to make sure we don't do something that's haphazard and harms our brand. Um, but what I spend the time in is, you know, checking in with everyone. Our Monday mornings, we talk about strategy, we talk about the business, where revenue is, where PRASM is, what all the initiatives we're working on, how we're coordinating. So we all have that coordinated function. But then they're all left to execute on that sort of thing. And so my job continues to be, more importantly, the things that I haven't had a chance to do is spend a couple of days in LA and reconnect with the business leaders here, letting them know that we're not going anywhere in LA. In fact, we're making massive investments, not only at the airport, but in philanthropy and community and all those issues. So, so being that sort of uh, diplomat and ambassador of the brand, uh, because we haven't had a chance to do that in certain, in certain of our markets. LA is one, Dulles was another one. Uh, all the other ones we're pretty comfortable in. Um, so I'm spending time with that, all the time spending time with people um, in so many different ways. Uh, we have such a fragmented organization, meaning there's not, we don't have a factory floor, so to speak, where everybody is. So for me, if I see three people sitting, you know, in the airport somewhere waiting for their next flight, that's that's, that's a crowd to me. <laughs> so I just yeah. launch over there and work through. So that connecting with people, um, and then thinking really hard uh, now that Scott and team have got the revenue side and Andrew's got the financial picture, we're working through those issues. Uh, as we get the organization sort of sized correctly, um, then it's going to be about how we, uh, again, build the metrics and the, and the progression plans that all of you can see. Uh, and then rebuilding trust with our customers. So our chief salesperson to some degree in a lot of, in a lot of ways. I mean, with the, uh, see what Hilfman thinks about that. Yeah, well, <laughs> he, he, appreciates he, 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 he appreciates the end because it's like I don't think they've had that before. So right. I think if you ask Dave, and, uh, and, and it's not just me. I mean, it's like, you know, Scott and I and Andrew and Linda Judge, our IT person, with, with our big corporate clients and our, our big uh, uh, travel agencies and TMCs that we work with, we just have, you know, rooms and then all our executive leaders rotate in for 45 minutes apiece and, you know, customers get to directly ask all the questions they want. And it's like, and it's been great because that's the presence and, and support that I think our customers want to see that the people behind the curtain are actually doing what they want. And so uh, sort of all that broad coordination uh, and, and just, you know, the, the, the brand is our next step. But now that we're getting the momentum and the excitement behind it from all, you know, employees, customers and investors, 
what's the what's next? You know, so how do you so beyond Polaris and yeah, brands? Yeah, what's and, next? Well, that's what so that that's that's the storyline that we're that we're working on. And uh, but it's got to be foundational. Uh, it's got to be a, it, it's got to be built on a, a foundation of success where you don't find it uh, trivial. So it could be a, a whole lots of things, uh, but it'll be. Uh, I don't want to use the word splashy. But it'll be it'll be bold. It'll be disruptive. I like using those terms because people don't know what that means. Yeah. And, and so which is I, why I don't like using those right, terms. Right. <laughs> what does that mean? Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, 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 and so I was you know I was asked in a group meeting with employees, and it's like, can you? you know, I said I said I'm disruptive, and I said, well, I said, I want you to be okay. I can help you. I said I want you to be defiantly disruptive. <laughs> And it's like, because at which point they throw their arms. Out. No, but but when they leave the room, what they're not going to be is what I think we've been for a long time, which is docile, complacent. Yeah, you know, uh, complacent. You can use a lot, yeah. but we we've not been that. And so I know that the environment and culture is so unfortunately rooted in that docile end right. that I have to use extreme words to just move the needle a little bit. We have all sorts of controls and mechanisms. No one's going to go out and do something nutty and crazy. Uh, and I've got a lot of experts around me that know how to work that. But you know, I roll out of basic economy. I roll out of Polaris. I roll that. I've been very thoughtfully worked through many, many thousands of hours of people internally working to make sure that we have the labor unions behind it. Let them know ahead of time the communication to employees the night before we announced it. Where Scott and I got on a conference call with thousands of frontline employees to sort of communicate the reasons, here's the questions you're going to get asked. It's going to be viewed potentially negative initially, but understand here's what we're doing and why we're doing and how it actually is helpful to passengers and, 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 and as important to our employees. Um, and so there's a lot of, um, you know, the energy that the, the team has brought is very impressive. And it's just, you know, putting it in the right direction. Talking about branding, I just want to follow up on that piece. Um, basic economy is not much of a brand. It's kind of a generic term. It's a segmentation. No, but I mean, you know, you've got Polaris and, and now just basic economy. Um, I fully understand the idea, on board with the idea, but is that, I mean, is that something you're looking to rebrand as well? That's or a good question. I'll, I'll tell you that the, the, the thought that I had, and I think Scott and the team were supportive of that, um, you know, first class was first class, mm -hmm. and everybody called it first class. Mm -hmm. um, we've changed it a little bit with Polaris, um, and others have done it as well. But when we got to the basic economy, I think there was all sorts of, there's a budget economy, there was ELF, uh, everyday low fares. Um, it was all these sorts of things, and it's like uh, my thought, and I, I tested, I test my thoughts with, with with Scott and Julie and others who are, are more knowledgeable in the industry. I said, why wouldn't we? Why not? Why confuse customers even more? Why not just say, you know, Delta's out with basic economy. You just call it that. That way, everybody knows what that is, and we and we have. And again, this is back to the trust filter that we build. You know, so how will customers feel that? Well, a regular customer who flies regularly and pays normal, this this won't have any issue. They're not going to get bumped with all the all the bags boarding at the end when they're sitting down. Um, they're going to get better seat assignments uh, when they come in late, and so that's not really going to affect any of those folks. And so we just you know we just decided with a, a simplistic basic economy. Okay. And then I'm going to sneak one in. Uh, just talking about the operation a little bit, because we didn't really talk about that much. But um, you know, historically, it's been something that has been a struggle for United. Um, I know the on-time performance significantly improved. Some of that is due to more block time and probably spares and other things that you know can help to soothe the pain while you fix it. 
where are you in terms of getting the operation where you want it to be? Yeah, so you know, operation that we've had, you know, we continue to have record years. Record years we acknowledge based upon not so great previous previous records. Um, so we fully acknowledge that. But it's been important for us to communicate broadly and loudly and publicly of that improvement for two different reasons. One, you as a consumer needs to understand the baggage, our on-time performance, all of that is in the top tier. And so, you know, you may experience a glitch here and there, but overall we're up there with, with the leader uh, um, today anyway. But more importantly, what we need to build inside the company is momentum. Right. I'm working hard, I'm buying into this sort of crazy man and whatever he's saying and doing. Uh, and then all of a sudden you keep saying and hearing these things. We had the best three days over Thanksgiving that we've ever had, right? You know, controllable cancellations, and we, I think we had 200% days. Uh, and so all of those things, they don't happen by themselves. They happen with a lot of human beings pulling every way. I mean, you watch what happens to get a plane on time, especially if it's a, a delay of sorts. Um, people working hard to make sure that the people get to their destination. Uh, and so operationally, you know, it's, it's been improving. To your point on the investment required to get to that point, I don't have a lot of spares, unfortunately. I mean, I, I sometimes wish I had more than that. Um, but block time has been a little bit of the process. But, but uh, Greg Hart acknowledges the fact that, uh, you know, part of the savings that we all have on the call side is beginning to sort of loosen some of that cushion that we built across a myriad of issues. And that's where some more efficiency is going to come from. You know, we, we needed to cover ourselves with different things. Now that we're running better, you know, we're more reliable to ourselves. And, and I've always said it, I said it at the railroad, and somebody before me said it at the railroad, running better is running cheaper. Plain and simple. It's amazing how, you know, engaged people working, being paid their, their, their wages that they, that, that they deserve is, you know, when they work together and work, it really makes a big difference. And with that, Oscar was off to have some important meetings with some important people. Thank you, Oscar, for taking the time to meet with me. Also, thank you to Vega and all of our listeners out in the constellation Lyra. Really appreciate your sponsorship. If anyone wants to be a real sponsor, again, remember, email me at cf at crankyflyer.com. That's it for this week's podcast. You can find us on iTunes and in the Google Play Store. You can also now subscribe on Stitcher. Thanks for listening. <laughs>